This is the We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast, built by anglers for anglers. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast. I'm your host, Tim Trockenbrot. With me, as always, is my co-host, Brian Travis. And today, we have the hometown angler, Brandon Lester, in studio with us. Um, Brandon, thank you for taking time out to come see us today. Absolutely, man. I'm glad to be here. Well, we uh, we know you've been in Phoenix for a while, um, but it also, uh, I mean, you probably have the shortest drive out of anyone to get a boat here, don't you? I do. It's only about probably 40 minutes from my house. Uh, I picked mine up a couple of weeks ago, and I was thinking on the way over here, I'm pretty sure that's my seventh one. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty cool deal. I think it is, and it's uh, you've done the same color scheme forever. I have. Silver, blue, and white. <laughs> yep. When you see it come off the line every year, you yep. probably know it's mine. You know it's yep. exactly who it is. I mean, if yeah. it's not broke, don't fix it there, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty boat. It sells good. Everybody likes it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the... The color of the seats is really the only thing I'm really worried about because it's wrapped most most of the year anyway, and and the seats look good with my wrap. So, yeah, just keep on going with and it's it. Been, you've always done the 920, right? I've always done the 920 Pro XP. Just uh, when I was first picking them out, I thought that one would fit my style of fishing the best, and it has. And, and just like you said a minute ago, it's one of those things, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, <laughs> now, growing up in Middle Tennessee, uh, I mean, you fished the town, the lake here in town, Tim's Ford, mm-hmm. a good bit growing up. Um, yeah. Was that the first lake you ever had a tournament on? It was. Yeah, the, the first tournament I ever fished was just a little Friday night tournament out of the bass club on Tim's mm-hmm. Ford, like nine or ten boats. I actually won that tournament. but Won your first yeah, tournament. I did, yeah. Well, I was fishing with another guy, and, and he knew a lot more about the lake back, mm-hmm. then, back then than than certainly I did, but yeah, that's where I cut my teeth, you know, and that, that's where I started fishing club tournaments and, and stuff like that around here, Tri-Lakes Bass Club, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard of that, I, I fished that for a lot of years, and several different ones, uh, so yeah, that, that's really where I got my start, for sure. Now, when you first started that first tournament at 16, was that something you were just kind of testing the waters with, or had you been just kind of thinking, I'm going to start doing some tournaments, and then the bug bit you, or, or how did you get into that? No, it was being a professional fisherman was something that I always wanted to be ever ever since I understood that you had to do something when you grew mm-hmm. up, you know. But uh, so you no know, astronaut, you wanted to be a fisherman straight yeah, out of the gate. Yeah, straight out of the gate, I wanted to be a fisherman, no that's doubt awesome. about it. I mean, I'd, I'd tell my elementary school teachers that's that's what I wanted to do. But uh, yeah, you know, at sixteen, um, you show up at Tim's Ford. Fishing with a guy that you, I barely even knew, but mm-hmm. we ended up winning that tournament, and man, that that night absolutely changed my life, no doubt. Now, how late a tournament was it? Uh, it was an all nighter. It was like seven Can't to three or seven. <laughs> I'm 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 a five thirty to eight thirty, maybe nine. Yeah. And if it's weighing at nine thirty, we'll just be the first one yeah. in the parking lot. That's how I am anymore. <laughs> I, I don't not fish that, but man, I used to not fish a lot. Really, I did. It yeah. seems to be a huge thing around here. Brian and I talk about it, and he goes after work with his kids, and I mean they've got the black lights and all this, and he I just get bit by mosquitoes. I'm, I'm yeah. frustrated because I can't see what I'm doing, and I know okay, you can have the you know the fluoro with the lights and all that. But part of the problem I'm trying to get with Tim, I can't get him to stay out late enough. 
to really make it night fishing. You know, when you get in the right. heat of the summer and you've got that hour to hour and a half window where it's not really full dark yet, everything's kind of transitioning, and it's just a terrible dead period. I can't get them to stick around long enough to get it when it's really, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night, middle of July. Yeah. The smallmouth finally start biting on those deep points and stuff. Mm-hmm. By that point, he's tired of killing mosquitoes and he's gone. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, you definitely got to get past that twilight period. Right. right. Nothing happens during that time. I always just sit down, put all my daytime stuff up, get all my nighttime stuff out, and get everything ready because right. I've I've never caught much. Go ahead and eat dinner. Yeah. Hang out for yeah. a minute. Now, yeah. what's, what's a good nighttime setup? Maybe that's my problem. Maybe I don't have the right setup. You said daytime, nighttime, Amy. Is it you changing out the different color line or? Yeah, I, at night I always throw that fluorescent line, mm-hmm. you know, fluorescent mono. They make some fluorescent fluorocarbon now, but I still use the fluorescent mono uh, when I do go. And at nighttime, I, I'm a soft plastic guy. Some guys throw spinnerbaits, jigs, you know, stuff. And I'll throw a jig some, but a big worm is my, my go-to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I fish a lot of brush piles, some that I've put out myself over the years and some that I just know where they are. Right. If you want to find them right now is the time to do it because the lake's down like 13, 14 oh, it's, feet. It's low right now. Yeah. So, you know, you just ride around and mark those places, and it doesn't take a whole lot of brush, but when mm-hmm. you figure out, where they sit on on those little brush tops. They're most of the time they're there for a reason. Now Texas rigging it. Yeah, you got a big Texas, jig head. I Texas rig it with like a three eighths quarter or three out three mm-hmm. eighths ounce weight twenty pound line. And black uh, and blue June bug. Hmm, red shad is a good one. I know uh, a lot of guys around here like red shad. Yeah, it really depends on the moon. Tequila mm-hmm. sunrise is a good color. Tomatoes a good color. Really? Uh, yeah. All those, all those will work. You know, solid black works on a dark moon. It just play around with it. And I, I've, I feel like if you can find something that's a little bit different, because Tim get, Tim's gets a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Well, there's tournaments during yeah. the summer. What four or five nights a week, probably. Yeah. People don't understand how much pressure that little lake gets so mm-hmm. any i've seen times where just a little something different a little different color flake or something will really make a big difference you taking notes for us <laughs> i got it all dialed okay, up here. don't you worry we're not coming in last again we got it now right. well, we got the the man with the with the plan over here um so take us back so we started that tournament then you went on to to college and, and you did some college fishing I did. right over there yeah. at uh, utc mm-hmm. yep what are they the water moccasins right uh, moccasins. Moccasins, yeah, okay. Mox, yeah. And uh, how was college fishing? I mean, it, at that point, it had just started really becoming yeah. more of a, a sport and more clubs were getting yeah. in. Um, were you fishing those, uh, the Auburn I Trail was, with Jan yeah. Swimmer? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, the uh, Southern Collegiate Trail. That's what right. we call it. Yeah, I fished those. Uh, fished a couple of FLW college series, I think, um, and never made any huge splashes in the college scene, just to be honest. You know, we went to the – the national championship a couple times and that was cool um but it, it was a great experience because it taught me a little bit about the business side of fishing mm-hmm. uh you know and it, and it really does set you up for well for a professional fishing career because it teaches you about working with sponsors and and getting to know people you know and i, I uh, gained some contacts in the industry and and also learn new bodies of water, which is very important. You know, being from right here in Middle Tennessee, about all I knew was uh, deep, clear water. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so uh, you, you learn to adjust quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, were you uh, were you with the FLW? Was that when you could bring your own boat, or they still provided boat captains? We could bring our own. Okay, yeah. so you were after that that era. Then yeah. I remember our yeah. only FLW. We didn't even we weren't allowed to bring it. They had a volunteer captain. Yeah. But I remember fishing those uh, southeastern. 
mm-hmm. collegiate fishing deals, and that yeah. did put you. I mean, entry fees were nothing, so it, it right. did give you a good travel experience and hit some different bodies of water without uh without yeah. breaking the bank for sure. Yeah. Um. So after college, I mean, you jumped right into the opens, or did, you, did. did you do some work in between just to foot I the did. bill for them? Yeah. So after college, I came back. I didn't want to move away. I mean, Tennessee's my home and always will be my home. So I came back to Fayetteville and I went to work at a local factory, uh, injection molding plastics factory called CNS Plastics. Uh, and I drove a forklift every day. I unlo- uh, unloaded the trucks. I ran the receiving dock and fished the Bassmaster Opens for the first year in 2012, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that first year, I ended up finishing 24th in points, I think. And then the next year, in 2013, uh, I won the points. So I got invited to fish the elites in 2014 and you had just fished the southern division right? i did yeah yeah back then we had southern northern and central now we've yeah. got eastern and central but so when you got that invite were you uh did you want to wait at all or were you ready to go no no i was definitely ready to go really yeah. that's yeah, awesome I was, I was definitely ready to go for sure we talked to a couple of guys and they they had made it or had been real close before and they said well i'm glad i didn't go and you started off your uh, career with bass i mean it's you've had a very consistent track record going yeah. going through i mean you made four classics now this will be the fifth, this fifth year. Yeah, yeah going mm-hmm. into yeah. to gunnersville and you've had a i mean you had a number six uh in aoi this mm-hmm. year i yeah. mean this year actually a funny stat so this is the sixth year you picked your phoenix up at the plant yeah. you had a six at the classic in knoxville <laughs> and you had a six in aoi yep that's right. So I don't want you to go backwards or anything, but that was pretty cool, <laughs> uh, tying on numbers. And and just uh-huh. talking about your elites, I mean, you've, uh, you're have you pretty consistent in, as far as getting a check. Yeah, I try to be. You know, I mean, when I when I first started my career, I, I needed to make money, just to mm-hmm. be honest with you. So, you know. If so you fish hungry. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you're making checks, you know, yeah. you're, you're making money. So I've just kind of tried to continue that, and it would certainly be nice to pick up a win along the way one of these days. And well, I've come real dang close, a, uh, but over fifty percent check cashing percentage. Yeah, I mean, I that's it's, a, it's up in the sixties, I think. And talk about consistency. I think you've had twenty something top tens. Yeah. So one out of every five events, you're in the top ten. Yeah. You're, that's... I mean, safe fantasy pick if anyone's listening. For <laughs> sure. Spoiler: Don't give away my tips. <laughs> um, yeah. So talk about that that transition from going from working to the opens to now, now you're on the elites. Did you continue to work or no? I didn't. My my last day was Valentine's Day 2014, um, and then you know like two weeks later I sat out on the elite series, a 24 year old kid that just wanted a chance, mm-hmm. and here I am. I mean it, it's taken a lot of hard work. And it, it was a big step, but I was at a point in my life. I'm glad I did it when I did. I didn't have any kids then. Um, and I was at a point in my life where I didn't have a ton to lose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it wasn't a life breaker if it didn't work out. Right. And thankfully it did. What What about the nerves or what were you feeling that first morning of your first elite event? Was oh, it I any was, different than the opens? No, I, yeah, it was much different. Was I was it? nervous as a cat. <laughs> there is no doubt. I, I was nervous. And a funny story. So James Watson was my marshal my very first day as an elite really? series. Like, that crazy son of a gun was my marshal. <laughs> Everybody, I'm sure, knows who James is. But, um, yeah, it was – and I did well that first tournament. That definitely helped me help kind of kickstart things. Yeah. I think I finished 21st maybe. Mm-hmm. It was at Lake Seminole. 
So you got to settle so, down a little bit yeah, after that. And yeah, I, you know, it just kind of told me, hey, I, I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and I, I realized early on in my career that anybody can be beat on any given day. Mm-hmm. No, no matter who you consider the best in the world to be, they can be beat on any given day. Right. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how I've always went about my career. Now, was there any kind of veterans trying to push you out as a rookie that first year? Any kind of run-ins there that – I've had a couple over the years, but we'll we'll just leave, leave them at that. that. Yeah, <laughs> I have. Yeah. What about what about the opposite? Were there any veterans that kind of took you under their wing and and showed you a little bit of the ins and outs? Uh, I guess if any, Ot Defoe, I would I would definitely say he's kind of been a mentor to me. I mean, if I ever have any questions or or anything pertaining to fishing, whether it be fishing related or business related, he he, he will always give me a straight up honest answer. Because you guys are pretty close in age. I we mean, are. both share that uh, middle yeah. and eastern Tennessee, just, yeah. I mean, culture there. So that's yeah. pretty good that you guys are close there. Yeah. Now, what about you now as you are a, considered a veteran on the Elite Series? Are there <laughs> any rookies that have come to you and asked for advice or just tips on how, how do I do this? Or There have been a couple, but but not really. I mm-hmm. mean, man, those those rookies, they catch on quick. You right. know, now that I guess I am a, a veteran, I, I see how fast – it seems like they catch on quicker and quicker every year. You take guys like Patrick Walters and, and Drew Cook this past year. Both of them ended up top ten in AOY, I think, or, or they're mm-hmm. real close. Drew Cook contended for AOY all mm-hmm. year long. And, man, those guys, they learn quick. Really, my hat's off to Drew because he's from Florida, man. He was a Florida boy, so he had to learn all that stuff, like northern smallmouth fishing and all that. He had to pick all that up just at the snap of a finger. And he did. Mm-hmm. He, he did well. So. Now, now, do you think your experience on Tim's and, and fishing for Tennessee smallmouth, I mean, it doesn't really translate up north, or do, do you think it does translate to? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. The The first thing I realized about smallmouth, no matter where you are in the country, smallmouth live on rocks. Smallmouth live, I would say they spend 80% of they, their life around rock. Really the only time I catch them in this part of the country off of wood is is in the fall they'll get on them lay downs that that mm-hmm. set out you know and you can catch them on top water and stuff but most of the time smallmouth live on rock you know whether it's rock transitions or isolated rocks or whatever you just got to figure that out mm-hmm. but that's the deal most of the time well do you think um our smallmouth are smarter than northern smallmouth Absolutely. I think I they are. That. I can't find them. <laughs> They're there one day and gone the next. And it seems like yeah. I sit on these schools up there and can wear on them for just weeks. Yeah. And, they, and maybe because they get, don't get fished for as much. I mean, yeah. you talked about Tim's pressure. I mean, yeah, I'm sure half the beds out there have been marked for years. Yeah. I feel like they're a lot more aggressive up north, though. Really? I mean, most of the time, if you find them, they'll bite. Mo- so you think they're the easier time. to to get into bite Up north. Yeah, I think so. That's interesting. I, I do think so. I mean, that very well could be just related to the – to the time of year that the lake is accessible, you know, you don't have near the pressure just because oh, you I'm have sure. so many months yeah. out of the year you can't get on it. Yeah. And not as many people bass fish up there either. There's a lot more people that fish for walleye and perch and, you know, all those fish that are good to eat. Now, do you like doing different types of fishing? I do, yeah. Actually, I've been crappie fishing on Tim's more than I have bass fishing here lately. Is that something your, your parents or, or granddad taught you growing up? Or? I used to do it with my granddad a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, growing up, we were multi-species you know anglers we'd fish for bluegill or catfish on the riverbank or you know just whatever but lining in the water that's yeah, all y'all wanted to that's do. right yeah, yeah. and I, I still enjoy that you know a, a couple of days 
after the season was over this year, back in October, I'd go over to Pickwick, uh, put in there at McFarland and run up to the dam and live bait fish with live shad. And you catch drum and stripers and big smallmouth and well, large I've seen mouth. some smallmouth come up, yeah. all shiners. And it's, yeah. oh, it's, it's about to be time to go yeah. up there because there's some seven and eights that will be down below yeah. that dam. Yeah, it's a good time. I mean, I just enjoy catching fish, you know. Did you go by yourself or did you take the kids or – I will take the wife and kids now and then, take mm-hmm. some buddies that I don't get to fish with near as much as I, I wish I did, you mm-hmm. know, so it, it's a it's a fun time. How old are your, you got two daughters, how old are they now? I've got two daughters, an eight-year-old and a 20-month-old. It's about to be two. Yeah, almost two. Terrible twos coming yep. right in the middle of the season, yep. you're going to say, peace out. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah, yep. The twos don't matter, it's three. Three is when yep. it gets rough. Yeah, that's what everybody tells me. Oh, she, I'm in for it then. I got three <laughs> years. She'll be three in less than a week. It's and coming. All those jokes you've made are about to come full circle on you, buddy. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But talking back to you, I mean, looking forward to uh, the season next year. What, what events are you looking forward to? You know, we've got some places coming up that I've never been. Uh, Lake Eufaula comes to mind. I've never been to Eufaula before. Um, and it's not that far from home. And from mm-hmm. what I understand, it's – been showing out i mean it's been producing some 30 pound bags santee cooper that's another one that i've never been to there should be some big ones caught there so we've got definitely a, a slugfest type schedule oh with, with the exception of the sabine which yeah we've talked about before i like the sabine for that grinders tournament oh yeah, yeah. um I, I like to see i know it's not a big fish factory and and catching 12 pounds a day gets you i yeah. mean close to it so I, i'm excited for that one i've always enjoyed those tougher events but um yeah, you guys definitely have a – I yeah. mean, it's going to be an awesome schedule from the Classic to yeah. starting off at follow. That's going to be – Yeah. Now, have you uh, said you haven't been to Santee? Are you going to spend some time pre-practicing any of these events or – Possibly. I'm I'm normally not a big pre-practice guy. I do some um, if, if a place is close to home. And I normally pre-practice the Classic, but being as it's on Gunnersville this year, I, I – I'm not going to say I know it real, real well, but I basically know what areas of the lake I'm going to fish. So, um, you know, if if the schedule works out, I may go to Santee for a couple of days and look around just to learn how to run. Cause yeah, I, I, it can I, be treacherous. Yeah, so. I understand it can be pretty rough, a lot of stumps and stuff. So we'll see. I mean, if, if the schedule allows, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, worry about it that much. Now you going? To, uh, are you doing any opens, southern op- or eastern opens? I'm going to do the easterns. Yeah, I signed up to fish the easterns again. I mean, they the last few years I've done well in them, you mm-hmm. know, and I, as long as they can continue to go well, I I enjoy fishing the easterns because I don't have the uh, the pressure that the elites put on. Mm-hmm. You know, in the elites we're worried about making the classic. That's the that's the number one goal. So in the opens I can kind of let it all hang out, you know, and fish with a more carefree mindset, I guess. Right. So. That's why I keep fishing them. And it also kind of goes along with your schedule. I mean, as it you does. go up north, yeah. you, you kind of hit those eastern opens at yeah. the same time period, or yeah. that, it cuts down on some travel. Yeah. Um, now, you got a big fan base that'll be coming for, for Gunnersville. Oh, yeah. Being so close. Yeah. Are yeah, you going to stay yeah. in Birmingham at the host hotel, or you got a house picked out? or For practice, of course, I'll stay right there close to the lake. But yeah, at the, um, during the tournament, I'm going to stay in Birmingham at mm-hmm. the host hotel. And, um, I thought about staying at the lake, but either way, you got to make that drive either right. the, either the night after you fish or in the morning, mm-hmm. you know. So 
As of right now, I'm gonna stay at the host hotel. We'll see. Now you got someone to drive you, or you? I do. Okay, I do. Yeah, I got a good friend of mine back home, Jeff Cates. He's my caddy, as <laughs> as we call him in the classic. So yeah, he'll he'll uh, he'll drive me back and forth, and that helps out a ton. It really does. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, just to be able to sit down and relax yeah. for, for that hour drive, think about everything. Yeah, you got a walkout song picked. I don't have one picked yet. I, I did Rocky Top last year, but they'd probably shoot me if I did that in Birmingham. I better not do that. It, so. it may have worked at uh, Knoxville. <laughs> I don't know about Birmingham. They would boo me off stage in Birmingham, so I, I better pick another one, I guess. With the uh, Auburn fight song? <laughs> <laughs> that might get you shot in Birmingham, too. <laughs> Birmingham's too close to Tuscaloosa. That's right. You yep. might as well stick to Sweet Home Alabama if you don't want to get booed off that stage or some yep. other genre. Stay away from college football, that's for yep. sure. Um, now, what about traveling for the year? Um, I mean, you're, you're going to do the Gunnersville, stay at the host hotel. Do you normally stay in hotels? Do you like to? I when mean, I can. Rent out a house? Yeah, the, the family comes with me, I would say, half the time. Okay. Th- this coming year, they're planning on over half the time. Um, so, you know, I, our eight-year-old our eight-year-old is in public school, but our, our school system will actually work with us, so she gets to come with us, which is really nice. Um, and, and my wife's a stay-at-home mom, so she gets to travel. And they get to do a lot of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll get Airbnb sometimes. Um, you know, sometimes we just do the hotel thing. It just kind of depends on how it works out. But if I can get a house, that's a, that's a whole lot better because we can cook at night and mm-hmm. it just works out better for everybody. Now, do you travel with anybody or do you like to keep it just by yourself? You know, I've, I never have really tried trout. The only people that I've, I've really roomed with a lot, I roomed with Andy Montgomery and, and Ott. And now that they've moved on to the Bass Pro Tour, obviously, uh, our schedules don't line up anymore. So, but I, I'm, I mainly just, kind of keep to myself mm. what what are some of the major changes your your normal day of fishing or practice would go when you bring the family versus you going out by yourself uh sleep that's the big <laughs> <laughs> sleeping schedule gets thrown off a little bit with an almost two-year-old but you know the schedule doesn't really change that much yeah. i mean they 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 know how important it is and they know daddy's working so they we, we have fun with it yeah. we have a lot of fun with it yeah Good. Now, what's your favorite meal to have on the road? Uh, you know, let's say if your wife doesn't come, what what are you eating? Uh, I eat way too much fast food when I'm on the road by myself, mm-hmm. just because it's so easy, man. I wish there was a healthy option when it comes to fast food, <laughs> there's but there's not. not. There's just not. And I there's would... not one that's <laughs> keep for more than a couple of days, except for them dollar cheeseburgers no. that you can throw in the cooler and heat up. Right. So where where do you stop at then? What's the fast uh, food? Maybe Burger King. Really? Or I try to switch it up. I mean, if I can find a Chick-fil-A, that's, that's a, definitely that's gonna tough, be yeah. But yeah. Chick-fil-A is pretty good. You know, one night I may order pizza. You can eat on a pizza for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. It makes a good boat snack the next day. Um and I normally when I roll into town, I go to the grocery store and buy fifty, a hundred bucks worth of groceries, you know, sandwich stuff. Um I'm all about eating while I'm on the boat. Some guys during the tournament they won't take the time to eat, but like I'm I'm telling you, you will perform better if you eat some lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you? What, um, what, what's a good boat snack for you? What do you pop fifty bucks on? A uh, ham and cheese sandwich mm-hmm. or a ham and cheese wrap. You know, nothing fancy. Peanut butter and jelly. Um, I usually get me a jar of pickles, the little small deal pickles. Mm-hmm. I'll eat on them. Uh, maybe some cheese crackers or something. No, nothing fancy and some beef jerky. 
Yeah. I try to keep it as healthy as I can. You know, I'm not an overboard health freak or anything. Right, but right. But stuff you I can try, eat on the yeah, run and move yeah, and, yeah. and it's not slowing you down. Yeah, not not just little Debbie cakes or something like that. You what know, about drinks? That, what are we drinking? Uh, Diet Mountain Dew or Diet Sundrop if I'm, if I'm in the Man, Tennessee You know you're from region. Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. you got to be in drop country. <laughs> yeah. We have, uh, we have pl- uh, lunch over in the plan every now and then, and we'll have to get, gosh, half as much uh, sun drop as we do everything else, and That's it's right. always the first thing gone. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I've never heard of it outside of this area. But mm-hmm. Have you not drank it? I'm a Diet Coke guy. Well, Diet Coke and water. That's the problem. Yeah. You haven't tried it yet. Yeah, it's good stuff. It, yeah. it is good. Oh. So what about when the wife is on the road? You got you guys said you do like to cook. Yeah, we like to cook. What's I mean, the best I, thing she makes? She's trying to get him in trouble now. I am trying we don't have to tell her this is ever going to air. Uh, I'd say spaghetti, man. I love spaghetti. I do too. She makes really I good, like good spaghetti. Yeah, she makes good spaghetti. But she's a good cook. I mean, she she can cook most of the time. I I cook the meat. I grill. I, I love to grill. I've got a Traeger, and I I'll fire. So you're that all about the pellet up. grill. Yeah, I do. I Everyone like says it grill. makes everything taste better. You I like her? it. Now I I will say this, and I, I'm I'm in no way, shape, or form. Uh, tied down to Traeger, not sponsored by them or anything, so I can say what I want to. <laughs> but um, I like the Traeger for smoking chickens, you know, and butts and stuff like that. Obviously, I'm not doing this on the road. I'm just talking in general. Right, right. But Back home. There's something about a steak on charcoal that I just feel like is right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have, I still have a, a Weber charcoal grill because you can get them charcoals hot and you can get that, that Weber heated up 500 degrees, you know, and it gets that good char on either side. But right. it's hard to get that on a pellet grill. Is it? Um, but it's definitely got its place. It's it lights pretty good. up pretty quick too, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 It's, I, the, it's the simplicity of a pellet grill that's so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you don't got to waste a whole bag just for burgers. Right. You turn it on, turn yeah. it off. Yeah. We need to get one, Brian. It's we'll nice. Put that on the list. When yeah. <laughs> so once we're done with the season, I mean, you said you do a little bit of crappy fishing, but you're a big hunter too. I am. Yeah. Deer, I, I mean, you do deer and turkey. What, what's your pick of the two? Turkey hunting, no doubt. Really? I, I don't get to turkey hunt near as much as I would like to. I am a turkey hunting fanatic. Well, you got Just, the elite season. Yeah. Deer, yeah. Deer I mean, the, the problem with turkey hunting is the best time to be bass fishing and the best time to be turkey hunting are hand in hand so mm-hmm. it, it's hard to find the time to turkey hunt but i, I do it anytime i can i love it you've been doing it your whole life or is that something you got into later that's something i got into in my teenage years probably 13 14 and and here the last few years i've really gotten into it it's just i don't know man it's just kind of my way of winding down and getting away from everything i guess and it's that conversation conversation between you and the turkey is what i like so mm. much about it you know you listen to him gobbling you're trying to make him do something that he wouldn't normally do in nature mm-hmm. uh you know when most of the time the hens go to the gobblers and you're trying to get the gobbler to come to you it's just uh it, it's a good time i like it you carry some turkey calls in the boat during practice i do yeah see if you can't get one by the bank to <laughs> gobble back at you yeah i carry a mouth call just just if I hear one, you know, just to break the monotony and mess with them a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Well, now deer hunting this year, did you get you one? I had, I killed a, a pretty decent little eight pointer uh, a couple of weeks ago. Man, I've hunted a lot this year, especially the second half of the season. You know, we're into rifle season in Tennessee now, and I've I've rifle hunted quite a bit more than I have probably the past few years. Um, and I've let a lot of deer walk, and one one walked out the other day, and he just looked a little too good at the time, so I popped him. He he was a decent little eight pointer, nothing special, but right. he was a pretty decent little deer. That's excellent. So um, 
Now we talked about your wife and kids, and and is your daughter eight? She's starting to get into it some. Possibly, yeah. Um, she's she loves to get out in the backyard. I've got her a little pink Red Rider BB gun. She loves to get mm-hmm. out in the backyard and shoot at boxes and and whatnot. So. I got to get her to the gun range and and introduce something a little bigger than a BB gun and and see where it goes from there. But she definitely is interested, and they all love to go out on the boat with me. I was about to say, I is mean, that a yeah. family deal? Yeah, you guys all like going out. Yeah, they love to load up on the boat and and go out. You know, a, a eight year old and a two year old attention span is not near as long as ours, but mm-hmm. they love it for two or three hours. I, mean, I they, forgot what you were saying. What did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand yeah. for sure. Um, now, mine, mine's loving. Now, we get we just moved, so we finally were able to have the boat inside, and that's one of her favorite places is just playing in the boat. Yep. I, I found so many of these little, uh, I think they're called surprise dolls or something in my cup holders, and mm-hmm. she's left her bear in my tackle box before, but um, I think it's just great that the kids start to get into it at a younger age now. And my dad was always, he was big in sports. I mean, he, he did anything for us for sports. He wasn't much of a fisherman outside of going on the salt water every now and then, and she, I don't think he hunted, but a couple of times with us, we went goose hunting in Maryland. But um, I think it's awesome to have kids to pass it down on to. And I think that's we're seeing more and more of it. This sport has, is growing yeah. outside of what it kind of used to be. I mean, you used to only go fishing with someone who actually was bass fishing and kind of right. brought you under their wing. And I think with the high school and everything, it's blowing up now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of really good fishermen coming down the pipe now. And, and that's the thing about fishing, whether you're – a high school fisherman or a college fisherman or a bluegill fisherman sitting on the bank. I mean, it's for everybody to mm-hmm. enjoy. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. It doesn't matter. It, no, it's good. 90, it's good for three. yep. It's yep. good for everybody. No, it's true. Uh, and just seeing it, I mean, I think we fished in college about the same time, um, and we would get a hundred boats, but now there's three hundred boats. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're yep. having to turn kids away. Yep. Schools have. You know, 40, 50 kids on the team. It's it's nuts. High school's the same way. It's crazy. Yep. It's blowing good. up. Yep. Um, so after this uh this off season, you're getting ready to head down to Florida. I am. Yeah, I signed up to fish the Eastern Opens again. I think our first tournament, I know it's on Toho, it's January fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth, I believe, which is I think is the earliest we've ever had an open. That before. is gonna be early. Yeah. So I I gotta get my stuff together here. I, to be honest with you, I have not touched my fishing stuff since since uh, St. Clair last year. I mean, I've went fishing a couple times, but as far as organizing or anything like that, um, so I I gotta get some stuff together. But all I need is a couple of flipping rods. And now, how long does it take you to get everything together? I can do it in a couple of days. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not just a I I do tweak with my tackle a lot and and mess around with it some, but I'm not. I'm not the most organized guy. I don't I'm not Aaron Martins or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't spend hours and hours and hours on it. I mean, I, you know, I I know what I want out of my tackle, and and as long as it's up to par for me and it works for me, I'm good to go. So you just throw it all in totes, or you got it in bags, or yeah, I put you it just in put it in the truck, I, and I'll I save keep, it in Florida. Yeah, I keep extra soft plastics, all my Exxon stuff in the in the back of my truck, and then um, in my in my boat, I've got those uh, the clear Bass Mafia bags. Mm-hmm. 
um, the ones that are basically indestructible. I keep all my soft plastics in those organized in my uh, my front box. That's one of the reasons why I run the Pro XP, actually, is because it's got the, the two separate boxes. I keep all my hard baits in the, the box closest to the driver's console, and then the front box, I keep all my soft plastics in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've just got everything laid out and organized the, the way I like it. How many rods do you carry? I'd say normal tournament, 20. 20. 20 or so, yeah. 20, maybe 25, yeah. How many you have on the deck? <laughs> I like the days when I've only got about three or four on the deck. But well, tell it me about seems them like, <laughs> We've never had them. <laughs> <laughs> seems like more often than not I've got about 10 on the deck, and I don't know which way I'm going first. Really? Yeah. Now, what about you as an angler? I mean, growing in the last five years on the Elite Series, uh, I mean, have you noticed different – tendencies that you picked up or, or started yeah. to hone in on from when you were fishing the opens yeah i definitely have you know it it's funny when i started fishing club stuff around here about the only thing i knew was flipping and throwing a crankbait i about every club tournament i won around here i, I won it probably flipping a jig 90 percent of the time and on the elite series it seems like every time it's a spinning rod tournament i do well mm-hmm. and so i mean i'm okay with that i you know i've I've come to grips with that now. So I, I'll pick up a spinning rod in a New York minute. Don't bother me at all. I've mm-hmm. caught I've caught fish as big as over nine pounds on a spinning rod down in Florida. So uh, I guess if you know if I've got something I'm known for, I guess it it may be my my finesse abilities now. Really? Yeah. I mean, it, it seems that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, about, that uh... was that was definitely not the case at, at the start of my career. How, how did you make that transition? Was it just adapting to I think what you so. needed to? And yeah, uh, when you, when it goes back to being consistent and mm-hmm. getting bites, the spinning rod is really good for that. You know, if you need fish number five or if you just want to go catch a limit right quick, a shaky head is is a good way to do it, you know. And, and looking at my stats, it, it, pro- it probably shows that I pick up a spinning rod a little bit too much because I don't have a lot of blue trophies. Uh, but I have cashed a bunch of checks and I've made a pretty good bit of money, so I'm okay with that. Well, there's a <laughs> lot of guys who will go. I mean, you can go a whole career and not have a blue right. blue trophy. They, Ten, you, fifteen you years. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. it's not easy to win. No, one. it is absolutely not easy. It is not. I mean, easy. everything's got to fall into place it and does. do what it. I yeah. mean, it'll happen. I mean, it. You've been you close just, a couple times. Yeah, you gotta you gotta just keep putting yourself in that position. I mean, I had it at the St. Lawrence River. You know, everybody's got the story of the one that got away, and I. I touched it at the St. Lawrence River two years now ago. Tell us that story. What happened? Oh, we don't want so to bring it, up old wounds. Yeah. But. No, it's it's fine. I'm over it now. I've already spoke my piece. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the last day. I was, I want to say, four, four pounds back or something like that. Um, and I knew it would take a big bag. But, but the first fish I caught that morning was six and a half pounds, biggest smallmouth I've ever caught in my life, weighed six, eight. It was the big, first one I caught that morning. So at about 1 o'clock, I had a, a good bag, like 23 and change. And I knew if I could get over 24, I would have a real good chance of winning. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So I hooked one. There's this little drift that I've been watching all week, and I said, well, I'm going to go over there and try it. And I went over there and tried it. Sure enough, the first drift, I hooked an absolute monster. I mean, it was another one over six. No, no doubt it was. And I get it all the way up beside the boat. The fish jumps. I get through the jump, I, I kneel down to try to belly the fish, and when I go to belly her, the hook just pops out. Mm. And, I, I mean, 
what do you do? You know, I didn't. Oh, do I know it. what I'd do. I'd, <laughs> I'd have a couple of rods broken, and I may say a cuss word or two. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, How do you I, compose yourself after that? You know, I, I just, to be honest with you, the only thing I could think at that time was there went a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and I, I just put my head in my hands and just sat there and composed myself for a minute, and I was like, you know what? I still got time. I found a drift that there are some fish on. And I went back up there, and I actually ended up culling a three and a half with a four and a half. But at the end of that day, the end of that day, I want to say I weighed in twenty three something, and I had a three thirty six was my smallest fish. So you do the math. Mm. I would have had a big bag. Oh yeah, over like over twenty six. Mega bag. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have. I mean, everybody. Like I said, everybody's got the story. The one that got away, and that's mine. I, I touched my blue trophy, but it slipped out of my. It just wasn't meant to be, dude. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I ain't mad about it. it. Just wasn't meant to be. Now, does that still stand as your biggest smallmouth? Yeah, yeah. Six eight. That's the biggest one I've ever caught. What about your personal largemouth? Nine thirteen. Mm-hmm. I caught it out of a, a a local farm. Well, it's not really a farm pond. It's about a twenty five acre private lake there in Fayetteville. Okay. And I, I grew up fishing there a lot too. What's do you remember your biggest uh, bass that you weighed in on the Elite Series? Nine four. Nine four. Uh, yeah, I caught it at the St. Johns River. Uh, it was several years ago, probably the second time I was there. Mm-hmm. Maybe four years ago, something like that. First and day I, of practice or first day of the competition? First, yeah, first day of competition. Nine four. The bed. first the first fish I caught of that particular elite series season was that nine four. Yeah, it was on bed. Mm. And I pulled up and just got lucky and it bit on like the second cast. Second. Sure. So you wasted <laughs> hardly any time uh-uh. on that fish. No, I tell you, I was boat number seven that morning. I ran straight to that fish and I had already caught it, put it in the live well, and Josh Bertrand comes pulling up. And I was already on past where the fish was, and he pulls up and pulls down. And he's like, Brandon, did you catch that fish? I was like, yeah, I got her, dude. He's <laughs> like, how big is she? I said, I don't know, but she's big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That what, is awesome. How often do you catch other species while you're out tournament fishing on the Elite Series? Man, it depends on where you are, but at some places, pretty darn regular. Yeah, yeah like at St. Clair, it's full of – we call them drum around here. Up there mm-hmm. they call them sheephead. Okay. But, yeah, it's St. Clair's full of drum, and you'll catch catfish and striped, catch a lot of striped bass and yeah. stuff like that. But, yeah. You call an alligator? I have not. I could have caught a bunch of them, but, no, I usually – You might get one if you follow them now. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, man, we, uh, we do appreciate you taking the time out uh, – come down here and sit with and chat with us uh you know you got christmas coming up and what what are the girls asking for for christmas man i you'd have to ask my wife that's bad of me but i i I really don't even know what they want Mm -hmm. i mean they're so spoiled dude they got whatever (laughs) they want anyway they what's the wife asking for because she can't buy her own gift now i can't tell that okay (laughs) we ain't gonna air it too (laughs) (laughs) well shoot man look we appreciate it and uh good luck next year we'll be at the classic hopefully uh seeing you host up a a big trophy there as well i sure do hope so i appreciate y'all having me i'm glad to come back anytime all right man well thank you now appreciate it brandon there you are